Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. This is the Sports Rivals for Ernie. I am Monty, and together we're going to cover the world of sports. Lots going on, Ernie. UH football at New Mexico. We've got college football. We've got Major League Baseball. Surprisingly, both series going to a seventh game. And of course, all the NFL. And what a crazy NFL season it has been. But as we always do, I think we have to start off again with University of Hawaii football. They, when the game started, the last time I checked, Hawaii had become a one-point favorite in this game against the New Mexico Lobos. And before I could even know what's going on, they were down 28 to 7. Another, what I believe to be a humiliating defeat, 42 to 21. Your thoughts on on this particular game and what this means for the rest of the season for Hawaii? Well, unfortunately, it, it really feels like the team has given up. I mean, if, if you saw last year's squad, I mean, that was in very dire streaks and they always kept themselves within the game, you know. I mean, winning, you know, a bunch of the last games uh, to close out the season. This uh, version of the, you know, UH Rainbow Warriors doesn't seem to have that dog in them. I mean, they go down by a lot and, uh, you know, (coughs) it shows it. I guess it's just really disappointing. And, and, And you can find excuses, whether it be the offensive line or, you know, the scheme of things. But they give up, and I think the nature of this offense, how it runs, the run and shoot, uh, is a type of gamble offense. And I think they, I mean, the name of the game was turnovers again. I mean, it's been like that for the entire season. And I think when June Jones was running this offense, uh, his answer to getting an interception was it's equivalent to a punt, you know, because. Uh, <coughs> You know, they would throw deep bombs, and that's normally where you'd get the the turnovers. But in, in this case with uh, Braden Schrager, I mean, the interceptions have really been biting them in the butt as, as they've been turning into easy points for the opposing team, as shown for the 42 points the Lobos put up on the board. I mean, this is their probably the easiest team they have left on the schedule, and it's going to get harder as it moves on. Yeah, and that's the that's what's uh, a shame. I, I just think, I mean, if they would have gone there, even if they lost, but they lost a tight, hard-fought game, I think that would be one thing. But immediately, first possession, they were three and out. New Mexico comes down and scores. Second possession, immediately a turnover, an interception that leads to a touchdown. Then we bounce back with a touchdown. They answer right back. Then we go for it on fourth down, don't make it. Essentially, that's a turnover. Then they get another touchdown. And then before you know it, you're down 28 to to 7. We score before the half to make it 28-14, but they get the ball to start the second half touchdown to go back up 35-14. We get stopped on downs again. Um, 
we force them to punt. We get stop on downs again. Essentially, all turnovers. I mean, maybe you're desperate because you're down 21. Then an interception that led to another touchdown and another interception. And, and I think that's the part that is frustrating. I really don't know necessarily how good or bad this team is. I think defensively, the key injuries that we suffered at the beginning of the year, we talk about this all the time. There's just not enough depth to lose people. Offensively, we lost all of our best running backs. We have Landon Sims that's serving, but he was like third or fourth on the on the chart to start the year. And we continually turn the ball over. You cannot lose the turnover battle by four every single week and expect to have a positive result. Right. We are just not anywhere near good enough to be doing that. We have to win the turnover battle or at a minimum be even in the turnover battle just to have a chance exactly and we're just not doing that and i think that's what's disappointing you be you want to be excited you want to watch them and then before you know it boom you're getting blown out and that's happening way too often they fight back they couldn't do it this week but they tend to fight back in the second half so i don't really even know how good the offense is because it's easy to dink and dunk and get yardage in the second half when you're down by 21 to 28 points. And I think that's where we're getting some cheap yardage, the cheap touchdowns towards the end of the game. So I really don't know how good this team is right now. But Ernie, if I had to make a guess, they're not going to win any more games this year. Yeah, yeah. New Mexico was their best shot. Um, even Nevada, who has struggled this year, they knock off San Diego State this week. Air Force is undefeated. We ain't beating them. San Jose State's on a roll now. They're romping teams. That's who we have next week. I don't think that's going to go well for us. And then, you, of course, you end with, with Wyoming and Colorado State. Um, maybe they rise to the occasion for senior day for Colorado State, but I think we're staring at a 2-11 season, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sad in the fact that uh, – uh, you know, I really thought that this program, you know, as far as the recruiting, uh, you know, success that Timmy Chang has brought into the season, especially for next year, uh, I'm hoping that that's able to sustain. You know, I mean, a lot of recruits will come in and say, oh, "Do I really want to play for a two and a, two and yeah. nine or two and eleven team?" And uh, I think that's the part that is really nerve wracking because they had a great summer, right? We, we've got the number one, the quarterback from the number one team in the nation, Bishop Gorman, coming in next year in Mike Alejado. He has to take over. I don't care how loyal you are to Brandon Shager. At this point in time, you got to commit to what is he's going to win the national high school Heisman Trophy and then come to Hawaii. We cannot possibly put him on the bench for Brandon Shager. We just can't in my opinion but they had such a great recruiting situation during the summer not only him and his running back from Bishop Gorman but a lot of local talent that has gone ice cold right now not a lot that's going on and so what I hope is that we can hang on to all of these local recruits because you know those big schools are going to come a calling right Oregon's going to be like man they're 2 and 11 you know they're not turning this around look there's 8,000 people in the stadium why don't you come to play with Oregon or come to UW or come to USC and it's uh it's going to be a challenge for Timmy to hang on to these guys because right now there's zero positive momentum and recruiting is a momentum thing so I, I'm I'm praying that he can hang on to them because I really want Timmy Chang to do well I think he's doing a good job in the community good job recruiting kids but at the end of the day it comes down to wins and losses and you kind of keep putting up L's and expect 
excitement to continue to build. Yeah, exactly, because that's his credibility. I think the success of the you know the ending of the season for last year kind of built upon that success. I mean, he could write on the fact that okay, we turned the things around and everything's going up. Uh, this is the exact opposite. You know, a lot of expectations. And it's going the exact opposite way. I mean, that's that's where the credibility kind of uh, falls apart uh, in regards to recruiting, and especially when you don't have the the. I mean, you you don't have the best facilities. Uh, you're you almost have the worst facilities. Yeah, at least that, in terms of the current stadium situation. That and you know you live on an island where a lot of people they wanna you know a lot of top recruits they wanna you know spread their wings. You know, it's not like you're in California and you live in L.A. and then you're going to San Diego. Yeah. Your family can still drive. I mean, there's... And with NIL being so prevalent, we know there's not going to be a whole lot of NIL. I mean, I, I, most of you know I'm the general manager at Watanabe Floor. I'd love to give NIL, but we don't have any NIL money to give. I can give them flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. But, we, but we, can't, we, we can't give them anything, anything hard. So I hope we can hang on to them. Uh, I hope we can hang on to the recruits because, again, that is our real problem right now. We don't have the depth. So when we lose a couple of people, it's all over. So I don't want everybody to think that Ernie and I are being Debbie Downers, but I think we take pride. Ernie and I take pride in being truthful. And I think right now there's no way other than to to, to be um, a little bit disappointed at where we are at this point a in lot, time. A lot disappointed yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I, I expected more i mean it's the fashion in the way that they've been losing these games uh like i said i didn't expect them to go uh i had them i predicted them to go seven and six i believe yeah you, you had the one well, i was six and seven you were like the optimistic seven right, and six. i was optimistic seven and six but i, I now didn't, we both look optimistic uh, yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't expect the losses to be like this yeah neither did i and we and ernie if you really think about it our only two wins this year are against Division One AA teams. Mm. We haven't beaten a Division One team yet, you know. So that that again, that doesn't bode well. We 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 take pride in our honesty. We were being honest about the situation with UH. We hope we're wrong, and you know, weirder things can happen. Maybe they can get on a run and upset some teams and still finish with a lot of positive momentum. I think we need that. But the way it looks right now, the way we're playing combined with the upcoming sed- schedule does not bode well for the University of Hawaii. So let's move on. Nothing real. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the rest of NCAA football. I think there's a couple of things. Ohio State in the biggest game of the week, knock off undefeated Penn State in a battle of top 10 teams. Uh, so I Ohio State asserts themselves there. Looks like it's going to be a Michigan-Ohio State showdown um, at the end of the season again to see who goes on from there. And again, a lot of USC fans in Hawaii, especially because we are part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We carry USC football games, and they were a top-five team all year until the last couple of weeks. They were not playing well, but finding a way to win. They lose their second consecutive game. Utah goes into LA, wins the game on a last second field goal. USC is now ranked 22nd in the nation at 6-2. Caleb Williams, all-world assured number one pick, has been doing uncharacteristic things, I think, the last couple of weeks. I think he's starting to feel the pressure of the disappointing season, and he's trying to do a little bit too much. Um, and it's showing. USC struggling, struggling right now at 6-2. They may not be even a top-five team in their own conference because they've got Washington, Oregon, Utah, um, Oregon State, all ranked in the top 
11 teams in the nation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's USC at 22. So, you know, there's got to be disappointment in USC. Yeah, and especially Caleb Williams. I I mean, at this point in time, I I think from a realistic standpoint, uh, he's got to play for his draft status. I don't think it's in question. I think he can continue on playing the way he's been playing. Even even average ball... according to his standards and still be the number one overall pick i mean he's he's that great of a talent in my opinion mm-hmm. uh so why you know so why push it i mean why push it? I, to me everybody knows that the defense is lacking on that particular team but you're right in you know, from all standards and from all sides i mean this is going to be a loss a disappointing season for the for the tro- trojans but uh you know i really hope that caleb williams doesn't uh, doesn't take this type of, uh, I guess, mountain that he has to climb into the NFL because uh, he's supposed to be a world beater. And we've seen time and time again those quarterbacks that go into the NFL with all the accolades to, for some reason or another, uh, fail from the mental side. And yeah. uh, I don't like the way that this is holding going. Well, the last thing that we'll talk about with Caleb Williams, and then we'll jump into the NFL again. That's Ernie and I and Monty together. We are the sports rivals. Is there was a lot of chatter earlier this week coming from Caleb Williams, whether it be the family or whatever, saying that Caleb Williams wants to control where he plays. Because NIL money is so prevalent, he could earn as much as $10 million if he returns to USC, if he doesn't want to play for the team that has the number one pick. Then his father apparently tells the agent that Caleb Williams only wants to play on a team that's going to give him partial ownership of the team. And if that's the mindset that they're trying to have right now, I guess it's gotten to their head that he's one of the greatest prospects of all time. And now they're trying to leverage the situation the best that they can. But it's illegal. You cannot play an older team. So that's not going to happen. So that showed some naivety on their part. But that raises some red flags with me that there's a little bit of drama here. I, I get trying to be trying to leverage a situation to some extent, but Man, you haven't even you've lost two games in a row in college and now you're saying that you you only want to play for certain teams and if you play for a team you want to own the team. Red flags for me. I would still draft him because he's that good, but it does raise a little bit of drama drama queen uh to me in yeah. regards to Caleb. Yeah, Williams. I mean I mean that those are signs of the Manning brothers, both Peyton and Eli uh you know pulling those demands and i'll talk about a little bit about that uh in another sport on my final thought but yeah it's sad to hear that you know coming from his camp play the game play the game all right so let's switch to major league baseball i mean i think surprisingly ernie both of these series it looked like it was going to be blowouts texas goes into houston wins the first two games they're up 2-0 philadelphia destroys arizona in the first two games they then things changed Houston goes to Texas. They win three consecutive games. Fireworks in game five. El Tuve with the three-run home run in the ninth. They come back to Houston. Texas beats them badly last night, 9-2 to two to force a game seven. And right now, as we speak, it's the top of the ninth inning of game seven. Texas holding an 11-3 to three lead over the Houston Astros. It really looks like the Martyrs... The criminals 
are not going to advance this year. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy series. I mean, you got the, you know, Texas, the number, I what, five seed and Arizona, who's going to be playing in game seven against the, the Phillies, who were the fourth seed in the, in the National League. I mean, you might you might have a five versus a six, and that's it can only happen really in baseball, where it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. As yeah. a Dodger fan, who gets I hot? absolutely who gets know hot? it's it's who gets healthy, who gets hot, and who has the players that know how to elevate themselves in crucial situations. You can be a great player for one sixty two, but sometimes it takes a special kind of dog to elevate under high pressure search situations. And this Texas Houston series, if this holds out. All seven games will have been won by the road team. No home teams won any game. That is crazy. And in the fact that Arizona has answered back with a walk-off in game three, a comeback victory in game four, um, and then today, you know, to, to go into Philadelphia, I thought for sure the Phillies would put them out of their misery to force a game seven. Ernie, in game sevens in baseball, anything can happen. Oh, yeah. A home run, a missed call, Anything can happen. So we could be looking at a Texas-Arizona, which would be a nightmare for Major League Baseball and Fox. It will. (laughs) Because I think everyone wants Philadelphia with Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and um, Schwarber. But we may get Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. And I think if this continues to happen in in subsequent years— Oh, we we might see the end of the two three two in the World Series. I mean, it really, in my opinion, it really gives the advantage to the lower seeded team. Uh, you have those three games, you know, to go, you know, in a row to get at least get back into the series. And like you mm-hmm. said, uh, when it, the pressure comes in games five, uh, six, and seven, anything can happen. As we're seeing today, with the you know the Astros and the Texans, you know they've lost the last two. Well, they're in in the you know. In the right to lose the last two games. And we're headed to the bottom of the ninth. The Houston Astros do have the top of their lineup. Altuve, Bregman, and Alvarez are going to be coming up, but it would be, they need a touchdown and a two-point conversion yeah. just to tie in the it, bottom of the yeah, ninth. It would be a historical bottom of the ninth comeback for for this to happen. I, I, I don't see that. I don't see. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine I that's going to yeah. happen. At least I hope if, it's not going to happen. If it does, and and we're still on this podcast, we might there, there might be a blank uh, dead air for yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and switch to the NFL again. That's Ernie Imonti. We are the sports rivals. The crazy NFL season continues right now. Again, as we speak, it is twenty-two to seventeen, Minnesota, with one minute left in the game. San Francisco has the ball. Um, the San Francisco has the ball trying to find a way to catch up. So it's 22-17 Minnesota towards the end of the game. But Ernie, I think we have to start as a Steeler fan, as a Ram fan. Oh, it's over. Minnesota has beaten San Francisco 22-17. to Crazy. Knocking San Francisco off the throne. Congratulations to the La Ciste Ohana. As their Vikings and Kirk Cousins knock off the 49ers. Woohoo! Unreal. <laughs> and this is, this is without, I mean, if, if you saw this, this game and you were told that Justin Jefferson wouldn't even be playing in this game, I mean, uh, I, mean I don't know what's, what's, what's worse. 
the game with uh, New England going, you know, and Buffalo, or this Minnesota Vikings versus San Francisco? I, I think this is more surprising because I think San Francisco had all their defensive players back. Yes, they're out Debo. Yes, they're out uh, um, Trent Williams. So offensively, I thought they, they may struggle, and they kind of did. They had 17 points, but they kind of struggled. But it looked like that defense was flat compared to how they normally play, certainly how they played against Dallas and how they always play against my Rams. They seem flat, and Minnesota was able to do Almost what they wanted to do throughout oh, yeah, the game. Hey, I mean, hey, Kirk Cousins threw 35 for 45 for 330 yards. I did not expect that from no-show Monday night Kirk Cousins. He definitely showed up today. Oh, yeah. Did no turnovers. He They had the perfect game plan. Ball control. I mean, there were some long passes in the game, especially, especially to the rookie wide receiver, Addison. And he, he played a terrific – him and TJ Hawkinson, terrific, terrific game. Congrats to the coach for bringing up that game plan. But, you know, ball control, I think the, their plan was, okay, let's try to keep our offense on the field. Let's tire up that San Francisco defense because we know how how hard and hungry they come. And that's what they did. They tired up that defense. Uh, Kirk Cousins throws an early interception in the beginning of the game, then goes on to, you know, score in, at, from what I saw, at least their last four or five drives in a row to take the lead over the San Francisco 49ers and able to hold on. Brock Purdy did not play a bad game. He still had a pretty decent game, but uh, Brock Purdy is still at that point in his career where he's not a put your, uh, you know, grab on, you know, come onto my shoulders and I'll win the game for you. He's not that type of court. He's a game manager who does not make mistakes. Uh, He relies on that defense, you know, and, you know, the other parts of, you know, his team in order to get that win. And, it's hasn't happened for them two weeks in a row. Yeah. So at one point, everybody was saying, "Can this team go undefeated?" And now we see they're already the armor. Two, two losses in a row. That's that's amazing, and it shows you how you know as good, as good and dominant as teams are, sometimes <laughs> missing pieces can really throw you off. And Brock Purdy with two interceptions today, one last week, he never turns the ball over. Now he's had three interceptions in the last two weeks, showing that he is vulnerable when you don't have the full team together. So that's good news for everybody in the NFC. But let's talk about the other upsets. You mentioned Buffalo. New England's been putrid. And all of a sudden, they're able to drive the length of the field and score a touchdown with 18 seconds left. They knock off Buffalo and Ernie for the life of me at this point in time. I don't know what to do with Buffalo anymore. I mean, they are a they should be better than they are. Something seems to be missing and I don't know really what that is. I know they have injuries on defense, but still, they should be better than what they're putting on the field right now from a consistency standpoint. Yeah, I am going to have to agree with that. I don't I don't know if it's just having that long sustained success where they think they come in week in and week out and you know, this should destroy opponents. I thought they would learn the lessons from at least the last two seasons where that didn't really come to fruition. I mean, you got Josh Allen. I mean, he's got a plethora of high, high talented players on that team. Uh, I don't know if it's just uh, that uh, let's turn the lights on when we have to mentality. Uh, it, it's not, it's not working. At least not in this season. I mean, we've seen uh, the bad teams beat the very best teams. There's a lot of parity. You're going to have the weekend, week out where you're going to get the, you know, those 50-point wins like the Miami Dolphins did the one particular week. Mm-hmm. But uh, on a weekend, week out, this is literally 
any team can beat any other team on any given Sunday. And if you're not going to believe that as a team, as an individual and as a team, you're going to be very disappointed in this 17-game season. Yeah, I agree. Altuve hits a home run. It's now eleven to four. Uh, Houston's not going to go. And the rally caps are Houston is not going to go down. The rally caps are The two biggest games of the weekend. It was Miami going to Philadelphia. It was Detroit Lions going to Baltimore. You had that game as one of your picks. I had Philadelphia as one of uh, one of my picks. Those two big marquee games did not necessarily pan out. The Ravens jumped all over Detroit and annihilated them i mean it was 35-0 at one point it was just like we talked about last week just like you talked about in making that pick detroit's good but they were due for a stinker the stinker came uh and baltimore coming off that pittsburgh loss uh a couple weeks back they get back on track in a big way convincing Convincing 35-6 to slacking by the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and I don't think the Detroit Lions are as bad as the score indicated. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a game of momentum uh, and, and everything like that. I think just Baltimore had more to prove in regards to their... And that team is all about dog. You know, that team year in and year out. Uh, which I thought was going to be with San Francisco. <laughs> but, but, you know, at least on Baltimore, to Baltimore's credit... They proved it on that field. Uh, on the opposite uh, opposite side, that Philadelphia Miami game, we put two stars in that. You picked that game. Mm-hmm. I endorsed it, not with my pick, but I put a star on top of that, saying agreeing with your analysis of that outcome. And then you know the Miami Dolphins did try their best, and exactly to script that defense of the Philadelphia Eagles just basically that defensive line. Yeah, that defensive did line not was give just Tua, a killer. They did not give Tua. Any time, yeah, and you knock off the timing, and and then Tyreek was in and out, like something was bothering him. He wasn't playing all the time, and if he's not on the field, that makes a big big difference because you can be a lot more aggressive. But that the recipe for Philadelphia again: dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line. Miami essentially only scores one offensive touchdown. It was a pick six to score the other one. It was seventeen seventeen at one point, but then Philadelphia scores, and they do what they do. They go on these long. 12, 15, 18 play drives, taking up six, seven, eight, nine minutes at a time. They essentially do what they do, a 31-17 victory over Miami. Yeah, and they can do it that way because of Jalen Hurts. I believe he converted how many fourth and ones, how many fourth and twos during that particular game. So you're giving them extra plays during the drive because they know that they have the prowess to get that short that short yardage when they need to at crucial moments of the game, and that's how they're able to go on those long drives. Uh, very disheartening for the Miami defense when you have uh, going against a opposing opponent with that type of ability. Uh, just too much for the Miami Dolphins to overcome. I think uh, if if the game was maybe in Miami and they had the crowd on their side, you know, given that uh, maybe a different game plan would be put in force for the Miami Dolphins. I think Miami Dolphins can turn around it and uh, give Philadelphia, you know, a game, you know, but 
Yeah, in this game, it, it went to script. Yeah, especially with Miami without a couple of offensive linemen against that dominant defensive line. That was not a recipe for success. But Miami, with Buffalo's loss, they're 5-2. and two. They still got a game lead over the Buffalo Bills. The mm-hmm. Jets are now sitting pretty at 3-3 three and three with a game against Unreal. the Giants next Unreal. week. Unreal. They're Unreal. right there. And now the Patriots, with the, the victory over Buffalo, Bill Belichick gets his 300th career regular season win. Congratulations to Bill Belichick. They are now 2-5. and five. I still think they're out of it, but who knows? Baltimore Ravens at 5-2 lead the North. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 4-2. Cleveland with a victory at Indy in controversial fashion. They're at 4-2 and and the Bengals are at 3-3. The Jags go into New New Orleans on Thursday and win. They're at 5-2 heading to Pittsburgh next week. Texans were off their 3-3. The Colts and the Tennessee Titans are at 3-4 and 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 2-4. And Kansas City continues the domination of the West, knocking off the Chargers. Chargers fall the 2-4. Chiefs are at six and one Raiders get blown out um, by the Bears to fall the three and four and the Broncos knock off Green Bay so they're at two and five so let's talk a little bit about Ernie's team against my team the Steelers against the Rams I'll start because my team lost it was a very frustrating game if you were a Ram fan they started off good I honestly believe that the Rams lost because of their kicker I think they didn't play real good complimentary football he missed a field goal in the beginning of the game that didn't seem to be a problem then they score right before the half he misses the extra point losing his confidence um they come out and they throw an interception on the first play uh, to TJ Watt. So Pittsburgh has a seven-yard drive to go ahead, but we answer right back, driving right down the field to score. Pittsburgh's doing absolutely nothing offensively. We drive down again, another a 51-yard field goal to go up by 10, and he shanks it. Pittsburgh starts at the 41-yard line, 59-yard drives. They score a touchdown. All the momentum is now on their side. Uh, if the if the Rams don't cut Mayer this week, I would be completely shocked. He's now missed seven or eight field goals on the year. Uh, and you can't keep, keep, keep a kicker that way. Now... After that, I think Pittsburgh got a little bit of momentum and then the Rams do what the Rams do. You get tired at the end of the game, you know, and Pittsburgh was fresh. And this was a Pittsburgh team like I've never seen. I don't watch them as closely as you, but they were they were like almost 49er obnoxious. Some of their players, the pick in like the the two unsportsmanlike conducts that really killed the Steelers. I was surprised. You don't normally see that out of Pittsburgh, but they were fired up for whatever reason. And they get the win 24 to 17. That fourth down call at the end that did not go the Rams (laughs) way really killed me for a couple of reasons. It eliminated the Rams opportunity to try to win. And it cost me in fantasy football because Stafford was my quarterback. He would have got a little bit of points there. Um, So I, I hated that it ended that way. I mean, I can handle... I can always say, and Ernie knows this. In fact, when we talk about our picks, I'm going against the Rams again next week. I can handle it when the Rams lose, when I believe they played the better game. In this particular case, I think the Rams played the better overall game. The Steelers had the better fourth quarter from 10 minutes on. um, But I think the Rams controlled most of that game, just didn't play enough complimentary football. And the Steelers did to get the win. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree on most of those points. It was very... uh yeah, I hate winning those. I, I hate when the Steelers win games that way where it comes down to the referees in that point. It was obvious obvious from the replay that, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett was like six inches shy uh, of that first down. I think from the angle of the referee, uh, you know, 
giving them uh, you know benefit of the doubt that it wasn't just the it the angle wasn't just there for them. He was covered. The knee went down uh, a little bit early, and you know the call was the call. But you're right <laughs> in regards to the swing of momentum. Uh, the Steelers have only scored two offensive touchdowns once. Uh, they did it three times today, but when you only got to go seven yards for their third, that doesn't really count for me. And I think it all comes back down to Kenny Pickett having the confidence. He really didn't play a really good game, uh, at least not until the middle of the third quarter where he was hitting all those targets, getting sustained drives. And I think it was part of the fact that the you know the Steelers you know had that moxie in them. I mean, you you, you call it arrogance. To me, it's it's a lot of moxie because. It, uh, the Steelers had high expectations this year, and I think it's very disappointing. You heard the announcers on the broadcast, if you were listening to them, reference Matt Canada. And well, the they kept showing them like every other play. Oh, yeah. They kept showing them. Oh, yeah. Them. I, I, mean, I mean, that and the fact that, uh, I mean, I would love to get the fly-on-the-wall comment of the players in regards to, uh, you know, the you know their opinion of of his play calling and whatnot but it was very inconsistent in my opinion uh i don't think they have uh you know he doesn't instill confidence in my opinion with kenny pickett and i think again the steelers are four and two i'll take it but in my opinion it's, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point in time mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Clark said that on ESPN t- today. He's like, man, we keep chinking our way, but yeah. we're four and two. Yeah. And it's it's pretty remarkable. If you look statistically at their offense and their defense in terms of yardage on the year, you would never think they'd be four and two. But yes, they are. Yeah. And it's better to be whatever you want to say. It's better to be lucky than it is good. And That's the saying. They're four and two they're right four, there. They're four and two. But that defense... Make no mistake about it. In regards to that, uh, their their uh, allowance and yardage, that defense is for real. The only reason is Mike Tomlin from defense standpoint. They don't ta- they go for the strip sacks. I mean, you see how they try to hit. They don't wrap up, which is bad technique. But more often than not, that's the way they get back into the games. They get they they try to be an opportunistic defense. I think if they played standard ball. If they were in the lead and whatnot, they had an offense that could carry them. You'd see that diminish. I mean, you see where the Rams get big chunks of yardage, and then they get stonewalled. Mm-hmm. It's because of that inconsistency on how they're playing the game. I think you bring back Cam Hayward into that, uh, you know, that front three uh, that changes a lot. T.J. Watt gotta be leading in defensive player of the year. He made enough trouble getting that interception. Almost enough. Almost going in for another pick six. Pukunoku, I felt bad for him when he tried to tackle him. TJ Watt threw him to the side like like a little little rag, tripping over himself, or else he would have you know he would have scored on that particular play. But yeah, I mean, I think they did well in regards to limiting uh, their number one <coughs> threat in Cooper Cup. Unfortunately, Pukunoku yeah. had his. Pukunoku went crazy. He went. He went nuts in that particular game. Well, Cooper Cup started off the game with two drops, which is I don't know. Remember the last time he's dropped a ball, let alone two consecutive oh. drops. Well, on you got the gotta, same drive. You, you got to figure. Uh, when I when I hurt my elbow and I had that operation, it took me about a year when I when I would warm up with the girls in order to have real confidence on how am I going to go to the ball. A lot of that had to happen with him. I mean, you come back from an injury like that, 
you're kind of giddy after yeah. not giddy but you're i mean you made a couple great catches on the sidelines after that but man i was like what the yeah. heck is going on with but those, those drops? but those drops were with the defender right in his face and you you hear the footsteps especially when you you're just coming back from injury so i don't blame cooper cup i think that rectifies itself in you know in either next week or the week after i don't think you see any drops in the second half of the year him, well, let's but, hope not. Let's hope but, not because the the Rams have no margin for error anymore. Yeah, but yeah, a win is a win. I didn't I didn't feel like it. They don't do well in the on the West Coast, but man, they had a home crowd there. Yeah, and I, and, and as a Rams fan, I that's gotta be so disheartening for the players because essentially the Rams play fifteen road games a year. Eight on the road and nine at home because only against Arizona do the Rams have a home field advantage. Other than that, it's always the other team that has more people there. And so do the Chargers, you know, so it is what it is. But uh, it's got to be frustrating that you have to go to your silent count in your home stadium week after week after week. So... And we were champs two years ago. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. Anyway, in the NFC, the Eagles are now at six and one. Cowboys were off. They're at four and two. Commanders ugly loss to the Giants. They're at three and four, and the Giants are at two and five. Detroit still at five and two. Minnesota now with a surprising win. They're at three and four, climbing back up. Green Bay falls to two and four with their third consecutive loss, and the Bears get on the sh- off the Schneid. They're at two and five in what looks to be a weak conference. The Falcons go to Tampa Bay and win, costing Ernie a victory there. They're now in first place with four and three record, and then it's the Bucks at three and three, the Saints at three and four. They're disappointing uh, right now, and Carolina Panthers at zero and six. 49ers come back to earth. They're now at five and two. Seahawks at four and two. Rams at three and four, and the Cardinals are at one and. And six. So we already referenced our picks. Uh, Ernie goes one and one. He won with uh, the Ravens and he lost with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I go one and one. I win with Philly and I lost with shucks. I forget who I lost with. Oh, I lost with Cleveland. Cleveland was giving two, the only one by, by one. one. Yeah, yeah. So I lost. I lost that one. So we will go with our picks for next week. Ernie, who are you looking for? I'm going with my the Miami Dolphins uh, minus nine. I think their loss against the Philadelphia Eagles lights a fire on them. That's still a very potent offense. I don't see their opponent getting the pressure like the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Put on him uh, this past weekend. Tua takes control of the game. Take the Miami Dolphins plus nine. I think that's going to be a blowout win. Then I got Jacksonville coming into the Steelers. Jacksonville having a very good season. They play the same type of smash mouth ball as the Steelers. Uh, But Mike Tomlin at home as an underdog is an astounding I think he's like 15 and 2 and 1 when he's a home dog. Uh, I'll take those odds any 
Any day of the week, take the Steelers minus two and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plus two and a half. Oh, yeah, plus two and yeah. a half. So Ernie goes Miami laying the points against New England. Miami will bounce back. New England, New England will crash back, according to Ernie. And then Pittsburgh taking the points from the Jags at home. I'm going to go against my Rams. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys at home, laying the six and a half against the Rams. I think this is going to set up for the Rams to get completely annihilated. I expect this to be one of those... 41 to 7 games. Um, The Rams have been playing physical team after physical team after physical team. They played Pittsburgh off a bye. Dallas is on a bye this week. Dallas will be rested, ready to go. The Rams are exhausted at this point. I think it's going to be ugly. Um, I think I think Dallas is going to destroy the Rams this week, unfortunately. And then I'm also going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. They are a very resilient team. Gardner Minshew is doing enough. He probably did enough for them to win. That offense, that defense for Cleveland is phenomenal. They put up 38 points Unreal. on them. Unreal. And the only reason Cleveland had that many points is two fumbles by Minshew, an interception by him. It was turnovers that kept Cleveland in the game and eventually won the game. Um, on that controversial passing and disappearance. But I like what Indianapolis is doing. I believe, and I think New Orleans has been an extremely disappointing team. If you watch the game against the Jags, they're booing lustfully in New uh, New Orleans against that offense. I believe uh, Indy has enough to, to win that game. They're only laying one. So I'll go Dallas to destroy my Rams, and I'll go Indy at home minus one over the Saints. Now let's bounce straight into our top five. Again, there's some slight shuffling because there's losses in the top five. In fact, mine is completely different now. Uh, I'll go first this week. Kansas City for me is number one at six and one. They're on a six game winning streak. I believe they're six and one barely over Philadelphia. I still believe Philadelphia is the best two way team because of the strength of their offensive line and their defensive line when healthy. Um, I still believe San Francisco has the best roster, but when they're not healthy, you see what happens. Brock Purdy is not good enough to carry them. I think we've learned that over the last two weeks. So KC one, Philadelphia two, San Fran for me still stays in the top five. They'll be number three for me when they're healthy. They'll move back up. The Ravens for me jump into my top five. They're at number four and I'll hang on and keep Miami in my top five. I expected them to go into Philadelphia. That's a tough spot for them. Uh, I'll keep Miami at number five, barely over the Detroit Lions. I think Miami's losses were a little bit better, a little bit better than Detroit's loss. So that's my top five. Okay. I have the same teams in the top five, just a little bit different order. I like Kansas City. And I guess I get not a lot more better than Philadelphia, but I think I give them a little bit more cushion in regards to one versus two. Uh, Like you said, uh, prior Kansas City has won six in a row Philadelphia has not really shown me you know other than last week where they flexed their muscles that they can really put a team away that in the long run in my opinion when you play with your food leads to multiple losses throughout the season I have them at my but I still have them as my number two team uh, by default of San Francisco losing their second in a row I do not have San Francisco in my third spot they've lost two in a row I cannot keep them in my uh, in the top three, I do believe, like you, that they, given on a neutral field, that they would be favored against every team in, in the, the NFL. NFL yeah. But in regards to ranking, 
you don't. I, I can't give them. I can't give them. Mm-hmm. I just can't give it. I put. I put Baltimore Ravens, who I had really outside my top five last week. They vault up, in my opinion, with their convincing win uh, this past week. San Francisco falls to number four, and like you, I have Miami, even though they lost, still in my top five. They are still a potent offense. I believe in that offense. Given the right situation against opposing defense, they are the most potent offense in the NFL, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my top five of the week. Yeah, and I agree. And I think defensively, they're going to get better. Uh, Vic Fazio is going to get them better. Jalen Ramsey seems to be ahead of schedule. He's coming back. They played that game without Xavier Howard, too. So you have your two best cornerbacks that are out. Uh, they'll get exponentially better oh, yeah. in those two cornerbacks. Then you can get a lot more aggressive putting pressure. The only thing I worry with Kansas City, who's my number one team uh, uh, as well, but Nick Bolton is out six weeks. He got badly injured. Uh, he's out at least six weeks. He is the glue to that defense. Chris Jones is their best defensive player, but Nick Bolton, to me, is the Fred Warner of that team. Wow, Fred he's Warner. super productive. Not as good as Fred Warner, but he's... He's, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player, uh, and he just means a lot to that defense. So we'll see if they can go ahead and hang on. So that's our top five. Again, let us know what you think. What are your top five teams? And there's probably a lot of opinions, especially here in Hawaii, when it comes to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Is Miami still in the top five? Are they a charade? Is Detroit, should they be in the top five? Or are they a charade? Uh, there's parity in the NFL. That's exactly what the NFL wants. They don't want dominant teams. They want everybody to feel like they have a chance. And that's exactly what we have at this point in time. So a great discussion there. A terrible Sunday. <laughs> If you're you're a Rams fan. But let me turn it over to Ernie, who's going to hit us with his closing thought. Yeah, my thought with the NBA season starting, uh, actually, when you listen to this podcast today with your Lakers uh, opening up the NBA season against the Denver Nuggets, my Boston Celtics will open the day after against the New York Knicks. Uh, Very excited for this season to happen. Uh, But... There is a dark cloud, in my opinion, in regards to this, uh, you know, particular NBA season. That comes up to the point where James Harden of the Philadelphia 76ers, not once, not twice, three times, dictating where he wants to go in 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 regards to, uh, you know, place of choice because of his unhappiness, how he's being utilized in the in Philadelphia. Uh, to me, he doesn't have a chance. It can't be where he has the best chance to win an NBA title. I think his he feelings are hurt because of general manager Daryl Morey. And to me, that's a little, that's not a little childish. You're a veteran. You're you're on the wrong side of thirty. You only have a few more seasons in order to chase a championship. In my opinion, where at least you're going to be at least a major player in regards to getting that champion. That you need to fulfill your contract, and I, I really, I really think that the NBA is on the wrong. I think they do it the worst in regards to, uh, you know, all the professional sports and allowing their players to really dictate and have leverage to make these demands in regards to not honoring their contract and going into, you know, want to play for. Specific teams, and we're talking about good guys like Damian. Lillard. Damian literally is not. He's not a bad guy in any stretch. But when you have Damian Lillard making those demands, not that his demands were, you know, uh, 
came to fruition, but you know they still make those demands. Uh, you don't see that in NFL. You don't see that in Major League Baseball. At least not to the extent of how it's being portrayed in the NBA. And I think that's just bad for 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 the league in in whole. I think that uh, really sh- gives uh, the league, uh, in my opinion, a black eye. Uh, I, I think it comes down to the fact, and we discussed this off air, Monty and I, I mean, that it comes down to the fact that they are empowered to do so. Uh, you have a league where your team is consisted of really 15 players as opposed to uh, an NFL roster, which has 54, you know, so one person does make a ton of difference tenfold if you look at from especially the, a superstar. Right. They have the money in order to do that. They can they can wait out. I mean, their players are very well paid. I mean, I'll give you an example. Peyton Pritchard, which is the seventh man on the Boston Celtics, just got a contract extension, thirty million over four years. Jonathan Taylor, of the Annapolis Colts, Pro Bowl running back, gets the same contract. You know, so you got a superstar in in one in 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 one league making basically the same. Uh, money as your seventh, uh, second player off the bench. I mean, that's the type of money that we're talking to. And I, I really think that they have the empowerment to make these demands. And I really think that something has to happen in order to uh, yield this back. I'm not really sure if this, you know, how this, you know, entitlement from these players really happened. Because again, it's not that some of these guys are good. You know, I mean, you can look at Harden and say, okay, yeah, he's a bad guy. But again, I give you the example of Damian Litter, and he makes those demands. I mean, LeBron, when he was, you know, throughout his three, he kind of dictated where he wanted to play, and you couldn't say anything about it. I, I mean, but I really think that in order for this league, because I, I don't see it getting better. I see this getting worse and worse and worse, you know, as, as, it go, as, as we go through it, it's becoming too commonplace. And when you get players who do that, not once, not twice, but three times into their career, it gets boring and it really takes so. I mean, a lot of the news coming up to preseason isn't about the Denver Nuggets repeating as, as, champion, as champions. It's where, where does Damian Lillard go? Where does now it's where is James Harden going? Is James Harden going to be starting on opening night, which he probably won't? It's a sad aspect. I think it has to change before it gets worse and worse and worse and puts a, uh, you know, a bigger black eye on the NBA. Yeah, I completely agree with Ernie. I mean, I I think the situation, I think the NBA more than any other league is player dominated. Uh, Like like Ernie said, it is not only can one player especially a superstar make a dramatic difference in the course of a team um but the nba markets players they don't market teams they market lebron they market Giannis. they market durant they market players players are dominant you throw in the fact that as ernie mentioned that their salaries are so huge um but i think it's the same symptom it's not just that they think that they can make demands and pick where they want to go and the james harden situation he's just whack already i'm sorry this is the third time in three years that he's done that to three different organizations if you're stupid enough to take them on now clippers please do 
then that's on you. Because at this point in time, he is showing no sense of loyalty at all. But I think it's the same thing. It's along the same lines of the players feeling like it's an 82-game schedule, but eh, I'll play 50. And I'll sit out whenever I want to sit out. It's that mentality that they think they're driving the bus and they'll play when they want to play. They'll, they'll play for who they want to play for. And uh, like it or not, the NBA is the most liberal league in terms of allowing that to happen. They're driven by stars. And is that a good thing? Maybe it works for the NBA because it's the one sport that they're fully exposed. So you relate to them a lot more like unless you're a big nfl fan other than patrick mahomes and travis kelsey now if you were to pass brock purdy on the street unless you're a huge 49er fan you wouldn't know it's him there's a lot of nfl players that you don't really know from the face but nba players are the most famous people around the world other than Messi's and Ronaldo's. They're so Definitely. famous. Um, but I think it's gone a little bit too far, and I totally agree with you. I mean, the NBA is trying to do something about the, the sitting out consecutive games. But in a situation like this, if Harden doesn't want to play, he should forfeit his salary. I mean, if if this, there should be some kind of consequence because at the end of the day, this does impact the NBA product because you have a guy on a 40 or 30 million dollar contract sitting out making nothing no contribution to this team so nobody's going to win the league suffers and i think the league should do something i totally agree with ernie on this yeah point. and I, th- I think the i think the next big name that comes out is when Bronny james comes out and lebron demands to go to his team so we'll see what happens about that but lebron is setting up his contract to be where he has that option. And that's the difference with LeBron. Yes, he's controlled where he's gone to his whole career, but he does it as a free agent. He's never demanded a trade. He just purposely structured his contracts the way he did so that he can up and leave when he wants to up and leave. Um, but he's never demanded like what Harden is doing, what Dame is doing, etc. Um, he does it in a different way, but it is too commonplace right now. Yeah. Spoken like a true Laker fan. Like a true Laker <laughs> fan. True Laker fan. Even your Celtics. I mean, like Jalen Brown, he's always the one getting told he's going to get traded. Right. And right. yet he shows up. He works. He works hard. He has every right to sit out and demand the trade. Harden is doing this for much less than than, than what Jalen Brown is. But you yeah. know what? Grow he's, up. He's got hurt feelings. That's, yeah. all, that's all it is. Because uh, you cannot tell me that. What, what are the Clippers' odds to win the NBA championship right now. Well, I think they have the 12th best odds because they're the, everyone's always enamored with what if Paul George and Kawhi are healthy at the same time, yeah. you know. So, and if they are, then they they are a threat. But, but, but it yeah, is what but it that, is. definitely, it's 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 not to win a championship. This is this is just my butt hurt hurt feelings. Yeah, for my, the third time yeah. in three and a half years for James Harden. So you do what you do, James Harden. And if an NBA team, like I said, you can take this. If they're dumb enough to trade for him, that's on you. Clippers, please do it. <laughs> I know that the Clippers are show are on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We carry all of their games. Um, but do it, Clippers. 
<laughs> do it. And again, speaking of the White Sports Radio Network, again, we're so grateful to be a part of the family. Kule and Paul Brecht, weekday mornings on Wake Up in the Den, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every single day on 760 a.m., 95.1 FM. Like I said, USC football, Dallas Cowboy football, um, OIA sports, HPU sports, they are packed. They are the fastest growing local radio station here in Hawaii. They do a phenomenal job, and we appreciate them. And we are a supporter of everything Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So, Ernie, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Disappointing UH win. Texas Rangers advance to the World Series. Can Arizona follow suit? The Steelers, lucky win against the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. And some big NFL games and his opinion on James Harden. So, again, Sports Rivals Podcast, IG on and Facebook. Sports Writers Pod on Twitter. Anything else? I'm good. All right, gang. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 